0: Today on Locked On Knicks, I'm joined by Ku Cahill, the host of the Locked On Pistons podcast. We talk the rise of Cade Cunningham, the Pistons competing with the Knicks on a star trade, and which of their youngsters could make a leap this season right now. You are Locked
1: On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. left, now fires he's, good, and he's, fired. he's, out, and he's out. Anthony for three, bang, that one goes
0: back. puts up a three, bang, bang, right the, left, down the infectious, infectious, You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I want to thank you for making Locked on Knicks your first listen today and every day because we're now available on all possible mediums. That's right. You can check us out on YouTube. You can check us out on your audio podcast platform of choice. If you want to be coming every day or be sure to subscribe and hit that notification bell on YouTube so you never miss an episode but who's talking to you. I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcasting. This is a really fun one. I I know Detroit was terrible last year, but I think they are a really interesting team to monitor this season um, in terms of maybe pulling off an upset or two against the Knicks and and some other top teams in the East. But more importantly, down the road, if you're like me, you think Kate Cunningham has the potential to be one of the stars, one of the faces of the NBA. and, And it's something the Knicks, if they're a championship contender over the next five, six, seven years, like we all hope they'll be, um, it's something they're going to have to think about. So without further ado, let's dive deep into Detroit's present and future with Koo Kahil. All right, guys, as promised, I am lucky enough to be joined by the amazing host of the Locked On Pistons podcast, Ku Kahil. Ku, thank you so much for coming on. We, we we don't get a lot of opportunity to talk. We we probably should have done a two-hour podcast on Alec Burks at some point last offseason yeah. <laughs> because I love the guy. But unfortunately, we didn't get to it. But I, I'm, I'm excited to get to talk to you because I think the Pistons are a really interesting team. I'm all in on Cade Cunningham this year. I guess let's just start here, right? After um, a 17-win season, um, Cade coming back, what was somewhat of a lost year a season ago. What what constitutes a successful season for Detroit this time around?
1: Um, I I think if you're just looking at a win-loss record, I think it had to be at least 30 wins. I think they're going to win around 32 games this upcoming season. Um, But I think if you're just looking from how many games do they have to win to have a successful season, I'd say at least 30. They won 17 games last year. Expecting them to jump to 40, that's just it's that's tough to do unless yeah. you are like the Boston Celtics in 2008, whatever, and you add two stars to it. Like, yeah, if you do something like that, you can have it happen. But it's hard to do that. Um, so just win-loss, 30 games. Um, but outside of that, looking at more just players uh, specifically, seeing if Cade is that dude. Um, I, everyone in Detroit believes he is. I believe he is. Um, he's getting a lot of hype this offseason. Um, but obviously, the maintaining uh, the development of Cade and seeing how the pieces around Cade fit with them, um, Asar Thompson, Jalen Duran, and Jayden Ivy um, Ivey, all those guys play well together and they vibe together. Um, I think Pistons fans will feel pretty good about the season at the end of the year.
0: This was something we were getting into with, with Philip Rossman-Reich on the Locked on Magic podcast, where I think the Knicks are in this interesting position where they're um, – I don't know if pseudo contenders is is either insulting or maybe too much of a compliment, but that's kind of where I would put them, right? They're on on the back end of contention. Like maybe if everything broke right, they could make the conference finals. Maybe if everything broke really right and they made a trade, they could make the NBA finals. But no one really considers them legit NBA championship um, candidates. And maybe they're a year away from that. Maybe they're a star move away from that. But because they're kind of in that limbo, they have to consider their teams at the forefront, which is the Celtics, the Bucs, the Nuggets, obviously, and they have to kind of consider the teams on the way up. And I think the Pistons are one of them. And I think Cade Cunningham, as we'll get into in this podcast, is a guy who, if he hits his ceiling, potentially puts them in that type of conversation. But I guess I'm curious what the timeline is going to look like in Detroit, because we we saw our west teams like I mean the Rockets in particular are are, are the first that come to my mind that really struggled last year and have kind of been in this perpetual cycle of rebuilding similar to the Pistons make all in moves I I don't think Detroit felt the need to do that just because they didn't get a full year with Cade last year and they didn't really get an opportunity to explore what all these young guys look like in the context of having their fulcrum I, I guess I say all that to say like, what is the level of urgency for Detroit? Let's just say they they make that jump to 30 wins this year. Next offseason is say, all right, we we are going to make an even bigger jump and we're going to capitalize on having Cade on this um, relatively small contract compared to what he's going to get down the road. And, and we kind of want to be good quickly because we, we feel like we have a guy who's deserving of that.
1: Um, I, I I think fans, a lot of fans would probably tell you there's a lot of urgency to be good this year. I don't think there is that, that big of um, – of pressure to be like a play-in team. Um, I don't think there is. I think if there was, you would have seen them do more in the offseason. The Rockets and the Pistons both were some of the teams with the most cap space um, in free agency this past year. And like you said, the Rockets decided to go in and make all-in win moves, and the Pistons used Joe Harris to absorb $23 of the cap space and then got um, Monty Morris. That was all they did. Um, and, they, and then obviously they drafted two kids and Asar Thompson and Marcus Sasser. So it's not like they did anything. They didn't really, you know, they kind of kicked the can down the road a little bit. They have a lot of expiring contracts, Monty Morris, Alec Burks, um, like I mentioned, Joe Harris. They have Boyan Bogdanovich, who has a second year non-guarantee on his contract. So it might as well be um, an expiring contract. So it seems like a lot of things are being positioned for next year and years down the line for them to make a, a move at some point that really launches them. Um, but this year, I, I don't think there's really any pressure or urgency to be great. Um, I don't think they can win 23 games or anything. Like if they were like the worst team in the league again, something terribly went wrong. And then we're talking about some pressure happening. Cause then I, the only way I can see them being the worst team in the league is if like Cade, isn't that dude. He's not who everyone thinks he is or he gets hurt again. Um, and everything else just goes South. There's no reason that this team should be the worst team in the league. Um, doesn't mean they have to be playing, but they have to be somewhere between like play in and not worst team in the nba um so as long as they don't hit that as long as they stay in that range i think they'll be fine and 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 they'll start i i think it's interesting because they might make a move at the trade deadline and i think that's probably what i'm watching for most this year but as far as urgency this year i don't think there's much
0: this was something you brought up to me pre-show and it was kind of interesting because when i'm obviously we're we're on Giannis watch here, here on locked on Knicks and, and maybe, maybe the entire NBA and, and the entirety of the locked on podcast network, even some of the NFL ones are on Giannis watch in, in, in perpetuity. Um, and, and, and when you think of the teams that are going to be the Knicks main competition, like my mind jumps to the heat to the Lakers in terms of big names. And then in terms of assets, I think, well, if the thunder want to just blow everyone out of the water, they're going to be the team to do it. And I, I don't know. I I'm curious to get your opinion on that. If Detroit is necessarily thinking that, that big, right now, but you're almost a year away from, again, and and, and it's such a big if, because I think all of these conversations are contingent, like on Cade, not just being good, but looking like someone who is going to be a perennial top 10 player in the NBA. And I I think based on what we thought of of him coming out of college and, and what we've kind of heard coming out of like the, the U S camp this summer and, and everything about his recovery, like that's not, Maybe it's not a certainty, but it's not also not a crazy thing to think. And I, I think if he, if he showed that ability, all of a sudden, if, if you're in the Pistons for an office, you kind of have to be thinking like, all right, how can we jump on this quickly? Like, I, I, do you think Detroit is going to try and get into those conversations? And, and where do you think they rank in terms of like, I don't even want to say smaller market teams, but like the non like LA Miami Knicks markets in terms of like, all right, we're just going to overwhelm a team with assets.
1: I don't know if they'll be in contention for guys like Giannis. I think they're probably going to be in contention for guys right behind the tier of Giannis. Now, obviously if they could get Giannis, that would be fantastic. I mean, who wouldn't want Giannis on their team, but yeah, I don't think the Pistons are going to be able to get, not only do I think they're not going to be able to get a guy like Giannis. I also don't think Giannis would want to come to Detroit. Um, I know Giannis has been like over the last two years, he's just been saying any team out like a few years ago it was Chicago. He has that quote it was like (laughs) he was like, Maybe I play for Chicago. Like my my I have a few friends. (laughs) I have a few friends in Chicago, and every time the Bulls come up, they just play the clip and the and and you know we'd be in some Xbox parties and they'd be playing the clip all the time. Maybe I play for Chicago. So who knows? (laughs) Maybe maybe he plays for Detroit, but yeah, I don't think they're going to be going at the, at the Giannis, but I do think they're going to be after a trade eventually for a star. Um, I think the Pistons – I don't think they're above, like, the Thunder because the Thunder have, like, every pick possible for, like, the next 10 years, and they have young, good young players. But it's actually interesting. The Knicks own the Pistons' first-round pick. Um, it's protected, so it, they don't own it completely. Um, but they own it, so it makes it hard for the Pistons to trade their first-round picks. Now – I've said this on the podcast before. Maybe the Pistons do some kind of trade with the Knicks where they get the Knicks to agree to just take the first-round pick this year and, and let go of the protections long-term so then the Pistons can start packaging like they're 25, 26, 27, 28, whatever. Because right now, it's hard to do so with it protected. Um, I think that's something that might happen um, if they really want to move in with the trade. But if they let's say if they were able to do that and, and take the protections off and start packaging future first-round picks. I mean, I don't know. A you, few first-round picks and then – a combination of like a Jaden Ivey or a Jalen Duran or a Sar Thompson with some of the ex- expiring contracts of Bojan, um, Alec Burks, Monty Morris, Joe Harris to fill in salary. I-, I think that's a pretty good package. It's just a matter of who the Pistons would be willing to give up if they're willing to give up part of their young core to go make this move. I think Pistons fans don't want to hear that because they love their young core. They love their homegrown guys. But rarely ever do you see teams hold on to every single first round pick. Usually, it's you're trying to get this treasure chest of assets to maybe you keep two or three of them, but then you use some to package to get that next guy. Um, I think that's what the Pistons are trying to size them up for. Size themselves up for. Um, I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't think it's for Giannis. Um, but if I had to take a guess, I'd say it's for a guy that's. Maybe slightly overpaid, or maybe someone who's properly paid but has dealing with injuries, so now their team wants to move off of them. There's a little bit of risk with it, so now a team like the Pistons can take a chance on them. Um, much like you saw them, I know Pistons fans may like hearing this. Much like they did with Blake, um, obviously yeah. things didn't go great with Blake, but the only reason why they were able to get Blake for what they did was because, hey, when he's healthy, he's a superstar. But there's an injury concern with him, so his value is going to be lower. Um, if the value is at peak shape. I don't think the Pistons will be able to outbid people. They're going to have to take a chance on someone who is either overpaid. Um, I know a few of my listeners have brought up Carl Anthony e. Towns or someone that maybe comes with some injury risk that lowers the value. But yeah, not Giannis. I think the Knicks are probably the prime destination for Giannis.
0: All right. I, I, I want to get into Kate and Why, why I, I think we're both on the same page. We, we think he could be a star as soon as this year. But uh, before I do that, I want to tell everyone about our friends over at DoorDash. Love the convenience of getting what you want right to your door. With DoorDash Grocery Delivery, you can stock up for the week or order last-minute cravings conveniently. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites, and now you can get grocery delivery Actually delivers too. with thousands of grocery stores to choose from. You'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered or we'll make it right. So sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you pick them yourself. Want even more value you can save on all your grocery and restaurant favorites with a zero dollar delivery free on all eligible orders with a Dash Pass membership with easy substitutions right in the app and best in class customer service. DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to a $20 value when you use code LOCKEDONMBA checkout. Limited time offer terms apply. That's 50% off up to $20. No min subtotal and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONMBA. Don't forget that's code LOCKEDONMBA for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. All right. Uh, Kate Cunningham, um, the hype has been out of this world. I think it's warranted what what constitutes a good season for him.
1: I have a question real quick. I got asked yeah, before yeah, go if I go into Cade. Yeah. Are
0: you uh, are you a football fan? I am a football fan.
1: Are you a Jets or Giants fan? I'm a Giants fan. Okay, so you're not having to suffer through the whole Zach. No, my, stuff. my
0: roommate who's who's downstairs right now is as as we're doing. He was at the game today, so he's it's a tough tough one. <laughs>
1: I, I feel so bad for New York football fans. Hopefully the yeah. Giants can turn around though. Hopefully Saquon can <laughs> come back healthy and yeah get
0: some stuff going. Hopefully it's for my fantasy football team. Yeah, in the past I would just be rooting for them to be terrible and try and get Caleb Williams, but I, I just I don't think they're going to be that bad. And I, I actually I'm I'm kind of a Daniel Jones believer, but yeah, it's it's Daniel not Jones- great right now. Koo, I I appreciate you taking it taking a. Mo- it was almost like when when you have a commercial and they cut in with like a. Like, did you know thousands of animals are dying in this forest every day? It was like a, <laughs> <laughs> like, like a really dark infomercial. Like, and you can save by donating. Donate to the Jets and Giants fans in your life. And uh, they, that
1: bad.
0: Yeah, the Pistons. I mean, maybe, honestly, it was a good analogy. Like the Pistons last year with Cade getting hurt, except the difference is, you know, you have like a 22-year-old coming back instead of Aaron Rodgers. Like, all right, maybe. <laughs> all, right, all right. Enough of that. Enough of that. We need some optimism. Tell me, tell me why you guys are excited about Cade Cunningham.
1: Um, So obviously the hype around Cade, I, there was going to be hype in the Detroit fan base and the Detroit community, nonetheless, with him coming back, obviously. Um, but the team USA stuff obviously has raised the optimism, raised the hype. Um, there's been a lot of Rico Hines footage of him going down and really just balling out. Um, the, the fun thing about the Rico Hines footage, and, and it's just pickup footage. So you don't want to take much at all from it for real. But the fun thing about it is that last year the team was at Rico Hines and they were getting destroyed. Like every time you like they had the games played, I, the Pistons didn't win one game I don't remember last year. Like they they had to go out there and they were getting obliterated. In these Rico Hines footage, you're actually seeing them win some games. So it's like Cade looks really good in them, obviously, but they're actually winning some games. So it's like, oh, maybe they're like starting to get a little better. But again, it's pickup footage, not much to take from it, for real, for real. Um, but I feel like that is like really helping with the hype around Cade. I, I've said this a lot on the podcast recently. That I don't know if you feel this way as well, but like every first round pick, I the, I can remember I've been a NBA, I've I've loved basketball my whole life, but I guess I'd say an NBA fan when I can really understand everything that was going on. Probably like I was 12 when I really like understood like everything. Um, every first round pick I've seen has gotten coverage throughout the year, whether it's good or bad. Like they get talked about if they're doing great. If they're doing terrible, they get talked about. Like Anthony Bennett, he sucked, but he got talked about a ton. So every first round pick I've witnessed or first overall pick I've witnessed gets talked about, except K. Like K didn't get talked about, I felt like, at all. Like, not nationally, not ESPN. He didn't get any uh, national. Game. I think the Pistons had one national game. It was against Jalen Green his rookie year. Like, they didn't get no coverage, no ESPN, no sports, there, no Fox Sports. Like, he was like the most quiet first round pick. I don't know if that has to do with his personality. He's not really a loud guy. He's a very humble and... Um, leader type of guy, I guess. But it was weird. And then this offseason feels like the first time it actually has felt like, yeah, the, the Pistons have a first overall pick on their team. Like It's the first time it actually has felt that way. Um, so I feel like that's what's really making all the hype because it's not just coming from Detroit now. It's coming from across the league. Everyone's talking about how great he was at Team USA. Uh, Steve Kerr was talking about how great he was at Team USA. The Athletic was writing multiple articles about how great he looked. Um, there, there was the report that they offered him an invite to be on the actual team. and He's the one that said no. Yeah. Um. So, all of that's contributing to the hype. I think he's gonna have a fantastic season. Um. But that's what's contributing to the hype. I think, and I think a successful season for him, for real, is just be an all-star level player. Doesn't mean he's gonna make the all-star team. I think the team has to be, uh, has to help him out in that department. Like whenever voting ends in January or whatever, like the team can't be trash. If they're trash, he's not gonna get no votes. But if they're like decent, I think he could be an all-star. But even if they he isn't technically an all-star, if he has an all-star type of season where he's like, yeah, that dude, that dudes him. His team just sucks. Then I think that's a good year for him.
0: i I think, and i'm I'm admittedly biased, and this is a second straight podcast. I'm talking about this as an Oklahoma fan. I think I think some of it was him going to Oklahoma State and then being ineligible for the tournament. and he just he didn't get that that Zion bump of being at Duke in every single game. Um, like the game on national television and then and the Detroit was obviously not great his first year injured second year but I think people forget in high school like the the hype that Cooper Flagg is getting at Mount Bird now that RJ Barrett got coming out of Mount Bird that Ben Simmons got like he was right in line with all those guys if not ahead of some of those guys like like I remember years before he was out of high school you were hearing his name and he kind of checked every box along the way and for whatever reason it just never clicked but I'll I i, I I'll, I'll give up the point because I, I keep saying different versions of it, but I don't know why because I haven't seen that much of him in the NBA, but I just find it weird. Like coming out of the first year with Scotty Barnes and now I think deservingly it's, it's Franz Wagner, but, and, and at points during last year was Evan Mobley Like you keep hearing all these guys, like who people would take out of that draft. I think I would still take Cade like out of everyone in a redraft. And maybe that's not, completely evidence-based given what they've all respectively done in the NBA. But personally, like I, I just have a gut feeling that the guy is a basketball genius. He's, and I'm not saying he's going to be as good as this guy, but like in a Luka Doncic mold in terms of his ability to dictate action, hit very difficult threes that are fairly unblockable because of his height and just spray the ball over all over the floor as a big playmaker. Like I'm, I'm super duper excited about him. another guy. I was really excited about a year ago was uh, Jaden Ivy. There were all these rumors. I'm sure you remember, Koo, that the Knicks are going to find a way to make a trade with the Pistons. We're going to send Emmanuel quickly, move up, get that pick. And we were, we were all in on that at the time. Like the idea of adding just like this pure jolt of electricity um, from afar, maybe a little bit of a disappointing year with the caveat that there was an insane amount put on his shoulders in a, in a very tough environment after Cade got hurt. How, how are you feeling about him heading into his second year?
1: Uh, I feel good about Jay and Ivy. The fan base absolutely loves him. He's probably like yeah. the fan base's favorite player. I, I there was a large chunk of my listeners probably listening right now. I've had comment on the YouTube section and, 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 and tweet at me saying that they think Jay and Ivy is better than Cade. Now I wow. think that's lunacy. I think that's yeah. absolutely crazy, but he's loved in the fan base. Um, like you, you were right. He had a lot thrown on his shoulders throughout the year. Um, at the beginning of the year, he kind of played off of Killian Hayes for like the, the stretch from November, December, and January. Then, somewhere at the end of January, they ended up making him the full time point guard and just ran through uh, ran the offense through him. He was making or uh, orchestrating all the actions. Um, so you got to see him really like develop throughout the year. It, that, that's what makes me feel good about Jay and Ivy, he did not have the most efficient year, which I don't really care about efficiency that much when it comes to rookies. I think it's hard to just to be efficient as a rookie. I think if you're just looking at efficiency, it's tough. Um, but he was a really good catch and shoot three point shooter. I mentioned this all the time on synergy per synergy. I should say, um, he was in the 88th percentile on open catch and shoot threes. So he was a really good open catch and shoot three point, uh, shooter. Um, and then throughout the year, you saw him at the beginning of the year. He was, I thought he was really bad when it came to decision-making with the ball in his hands, especially when he got in between the rim and the three point line, really bad decision-maker in that area. Uh, on his, even on his pull-up jumpers it looked like he was like parallel with the ground cuz he was all over the place like he had no uh comfortability in that range. He wasn't compact, he wasn't under control. Like it was really bad to be in the year. And then towards the end of the year as the year went on, he got better and better at that. He was making really good passes out of it. He was making really good reads out of it. The pull-up midy was a lot more under control. He was making it a higher clip. Um so there was multiple areas that you saw Jane Ivy develop from from November to March. And that's why I feel good about him. I think he had a fine rookie season. I, I don't know if he had, like, a fantastic one. But I thought he had a fine one. I feel really good about him. The only area that I'm really low on, I'm really concerned about, is his defense. He was putrid defensively last season. And going talking to people who watched him in college, he was putrid in, in college on defense, too. And it's not like he's some tall guy or anything. Um, I know he's talked a lot about being a better defender this offseason. The Pistons have kind of, you know there's been a lot of pieces written about how he's going to be better, hopefully better on defense. Um, I'll believe it when I see it. Usually you don't, I, I can't name some guys that were really bad defensively in college, really bad as a rookie and all of a sudden became good defenders. Like I can't think of that. Um, so we'll see if it happens. That's the area I'm most concerned about with him. But as far as him just developing as an offensive player, yeah, I I'm, I feel pretty good about him being a three level scorer.
0: Another guy who was who a little better on defense as a rookie uh, Jalen Duran, And I, I'm just I want your read on this because the James Wiseman thing kind of mystified me. Not, not that Detroit traded for him because that's, I mean, for, for a team in their position, that's just a good bet on talent, but that they started, if I'm remembering correctly, and tell me if I'm off on this, like that, they started playing him over Duran. Because man. I I thought Duran was a revelation and I was, frankly kind of astounded at like I, I think he was like either the youngest or second youngest player in the NBA last year like how advanced he was like how skilled he was compared to what we saw from him at Memphis and man like if again like when when, when I look forward I'm like all right if the Knicks are let's just say they do get Giannis and they're they're peaking three four years down the line who are the teams that are to be a challenge like Duran almost single-handedly changed my piston my opinion on the Pistons from like ah like yeah Cade's gonna be good but they don't have a lot else to like that could be a great duo. Like what how high are you on him? And how do you think that sorts out this year between all the bigs that they have?
1: Um, I think Jalen Dern's gonna be the second best player on the Pistons. I'm higher on him than I am on Jane Ivy, And it's not because I'm low on Jane Ivy. I think everything you said about Dern is spot on. He's fantastic. I think I think he has a chance to be like a perennial all star once he gets to his prime. The kid's only nineteen years old. Um, so he's probably like four or five years away from his prime for real. So he has a long ways to go, but once he reaches his prime, he, he's going to be fantastic. This is a dude who can, this is a dude who can, who is a really good passer for his, for his position. The Pistons, I'm going to assume are going to run a lot of their actions through him at the hub or at the high post with dribble handoffs. Cause he's really good passer on dribble, uh, um, uh, backdoor cuts. Um, you even saw him at the times when they did run, Durin and Wiseman together, him throw lobs to Duren or him throw lobs to Wiseman, I should say, on rolls of the basket. Um, Even just in a spaced out floor and a four out one in offense, they run the pick and roll. He makes the short roll read routinely, very quickly, very processes the defenses very quickly. Um, Big body, extremely athletic, tries to dunk everything he possibly can around the rim. If he has a chance to dunk it, he's going to. I mean, if he doesn't dunk it, it's probably because you're following him. So, like I I'm really high on Jalen Um, I think he's gonna be absolutely fantastic the James Wiseman stuff it was a little frustrating this past season there's no reason to be concerned about him playing over Duran anymore I think that was just at the end of the year Duran got like a couple small injuries so they just started to play Wiseman over him um and started sitting Duran for some games so I I think Duran missed a few games at the end of the year too um but even then they started to try to play them together at the end of last season too that was awful they like if they start playing the two big stuff, then that will be a reason why they're the worst team in the NBA again. Like that, that yeah. will be a reason for why um, I'm not too high on James Wiseman. I think it was a good, I, I don't know if I can say, I think it's a good bet. I, I understand why you would, those in the front office would think that this was a good bet. You're not going to resign Sadiq Bay. He was causing problems on the offense because of how selfish he was or how he wasn't able to read defenses. He just wasn't a fit. You weren't going to resign him, so you're going to flip him to the deadline for another guy who's maybe been a disappointment, but you were really high on coming out the draft. Get him, see if he can be something. I get it. Overall, like the idea of it, I get it. But James Wiseman, we'll see how he does this year. He just was not very good for the Pistons at the end of last season. He put up a lot of box score numbers, so I know a lot of people think he had a fine half of the year with the pit or 20 games with the Pistons. But like on off defensive rating, he had the worst by three points. Uh, that was like, he was by far the worst defender on the Pistons last season. And then offensively, there's a really a black hole doesn't really pass the ball at all. And I'll, I'll put some of that on the coaching staff as well. They didn't really know how to use them. So maybe he was just wandering in space because they didn't know how to use them. So we'll see how it goes this year. All in all, I'm not worried at all about Wiseman taking any minutes from Duran. um, but, yeah, I, I think Dern's going to be pretty good. And I think he'll probably be their second best player this season simply because Cade's coming back, and that's going to be his pick and roll threat. And Cade is – at the second half of his rookie season when they got Bagley to be his roll threat, he took off. First half of the year, he didn't have a roll threat at all. His roll threat was Isaiah Stewart. And Isaiah Stewart struggles to catch the ball, struggles to finish around the rim. Um, Marvin Bagley, though, if there's one thing he is good at, finishing around the basket, catching lobs, and Cade took off. So, yeah, I, I think Jalen Durns going to have a great year.
0: Uh, another guy who I think there's a world where if Ivy doesn't develop, like this is the long-term third banana in Detroit and it's Osir Thompson, who, who seems like he has maybe more of the star role player qualities to fit in. And when I say star role players, I'm thinking like Andre Iguodala mold of guy in, in the best, best case scenario, but someone who's going to fill in gaps defensively, going to be able to guard multiple positions is going to be, I mean, I mean, as long as Ivy's there, those two are going to be. Terrors in transition. I think my only concern with the pick was how well is he gonna shoot it? And, and obviously out of the two brothers, he he was the better shooter. But if I'm looking at to your point, Cade and, and Jalen Duran as, as my two guys, like like these are my all-stars. This is my pick and roll combo. Hopefully for the next 12 to 15 years, I, I want as many complimentary pieces that can just shoot the lights out of the ball um around them. And Ivy, that's to your point, like maybe there's some positive signs there. Still a question. Also kind of the same thing. Is that what you're looking at in terms of a successful rookie year for him? Just the ability to make those open threes or, or what do you, what do you want out of him in year one?
1: So before the draft, Asar Thompson's who I wanted the Pistons to piss into the draft. I, I, I picked him in the locked on mock draft and was the, the locked on draft. People were not very pleased with my pick, but the Pistons ended up proving me right a little bit with picking him. So (laughs) I like to gloat about that a little bit, but I love Asar. I think Asar is like you mentioned, he's going to be a star role player. I actually think he could be even better than that, but I think that's probably what he'll be like for the early part of his career is just like a good role player kind of guy. So um, I don't think his rookie season, he's going to need to be a three point shooter. I don't think that's where he's going to make what needs to happen for him to have a good year. I just need him to be an, I say this all the time on the podcast. There's a difference between a non-shooter and a guy who just can't hit, hit enough open threes. A guy who is a non-shooter and just won't even take the threes affects your spacing and affects gravity way worse than a guy who will shoot the threes but just won't make them enough at a high enough clip. So, like, for example, Hamidou Diallo was on the Pistons last season. He just re, he just did not take threes and it destroyed their spacing. If you have a guy who can... Even, like, 30%, that, it's not a high percent, but... You just simply taking the threes affects spacing in different ways. So I just need him to not be a non-shoe and take the open ones, which I think he will. But what will be a good year for Asar is just coming in and being a good defender off the top. Not many rookies are good defenders out the gate, so it's going to be hard for him to do. I'm one of the rookies that were a good defender right off the gate, like Herb Jones in New Orleans. He was really good out the gate. Um, But it's rare when it happens. I think Asar has the chance to be one of those rare guys because of his tools defensively. Um, He was a really good defender in OTE in the Rico Hines footage. He's clamping dudes up against pickup footage. Don't take much from it, but that was one of the things about him coming into the draft is that he's going to be the Pistons best defender on the wing point of attack. Weak side. You even saw in summer league, he was clamping dudes in summer league and it's not just on ball as well. He's a very smart player too. He's made incredible rotations off ball, played passing lanes really well rotated and he's going to be a crazy weak side rim protector, I think as well. So I think him just showing his versatility defensively will be what decides how successful he is going to be his rookie season. When it comes to offensively, this is a fight that I'm constantly having with myself about what the Pistons should do offensively with Cade. Because on one hand, my favorite game from Cade is a game against Utah Jazz his rookie season. I believe it was January 7th. And it was a game Dwayne Casey missed. Rex Kalamian took over as head coach. And the second half, they went five out. They, they realized Rudy Gobert was killing them around the rim. And they were like, you know what? We're just going to put a stretch big at the five. And we're going to let Cade search out his mismatch. And we're going to see what happens. And Cade ended up having like 23 points and seven assists in the second half. And the Pistons won the game. dominated. It was just, he just completely dominated them. He just hunted out his mismatch, got to the rim every time, kicked out when he needed to. It was, it was really bad what he was doing to the Utah Jazz. Unfortunately, you didn't see that very often the rest of the year. And you didn't see it at all last season. So, part of me really wants them to just do that, to really buy into some of his heliocentric abilities. But then also, the other fight is like Troy Weaver mentioned after drafting Asar Thompson, like Asar Thompson mentioned after drafting Asar Thompson, or after he was drafted by the Pistons, is that the NBA is moving towards having multiple ball handlers in your lineup. And you see that across all the great teams in the NBA that can, guys who can attack off the catch, attack. Gaps make the right decision, drive and kick, and then another guy, drive and kick, drive and kick, just routinely over and over attack gaps. You see it with the Denver Nuggets, the Boston Celtics, the Miami Heat. Really, all the good teams seem to have multiple ball handlers now that can attack gaps and make the right decision. And I think that's what Asar is great at. So it's going to be interesting to see what they how it actually works. I think it's going to take some creativity to make it work. I see where the pistols are going, I understand why they're looking at the multiple ball handlers. I'm not saying it won't work either. I, plenty of NBA teams are showing that it can. It's just very tempting for me to look at and be like, "My God, if Cade just was like given spacing and just let him get the mat- mismatch, what kind of numbers he could put
0: up. But like, I don't know. I think Asar's going to have a good rookie yeah. season though. Overall, to get back to what I was saying. I, I think it's, no, but it, it's a great point because I, I think what's exciting to me about Cade and what was exciting about him coming out of college is like, I, I talked about him being in that Luca mold. Like I think Luca almost needs to play that way and, and hope, if you're Dallas, you kind of hope over his career, like, all right, can he peel that back? 10%. I think Cade, maybe you have to push him to be more aggressive and and more heliocentric to your point. But I think I would, I would rather have to push someone that direction than say like, I I think it's harder to get someone to be 10% less selfish than it is to get them to be 10% more selfish. So I completely agree. I would be I'd be enthused about that. All right, let, let's finish on this. Uh, Bojan Bogdanovich is he is he going to get traded this year? And I'm sure you have probably done five podcasts doing like uh, every single mock trade possible. Uh, where do you think he eventually ends up? Is we I think it was Bleacher Report. We we see the Knicks thrown out there every once in a while. I personally don't I don't think it makes any sense just because there's not like he he would be helpful to their offense, but there's not an obvious rotation spot for him unless you just swapped him and R.J. Barrett. I don't see that being some of the Knicks are. Particularly inclined to do. Maybe if Detroit said, you know, we'll totally unprotect our pick and we'll do that. And the Knicks would have been like, all right, sure. Um, it, would, it would make the Knicks a better team today. I think it would be too short sighted of a move for one. That wouldn't make them a championship type team. But wh- where do you think he ultimately ends up? Or, or do you think Detroit just says, hey, we, we want to be better this year? He's a really good player. We're, we're going to keep him. We need the shooting.
1: Well, I've been saying to trade Bullion for ever since they got him. I, I thought they should have traded him last season. I thought they should have traded him at the deadline. I thought they should have traded him in the off-season. I thought they should have traded him on the draft night. Um, With that said, they have not traded him yet, so now it's making me think maybe they just don't trade him now at all. Um, There was rumors that there was a framework of a trade being made that was going to send him and Killian Hayes to Dallas that eventually fell through. Um, So it doesn't sound like the Pistons are just keeping him off the table, um, but they have a high asking price. So I still think he's going to get traded. It just makes like it just makes too much sense to get assets while you can in a season that you're just not going to make the playoffs. Like that's if you're not going to make the playoffs at the deadline, I could see them selling off some guys and getting whatever assets they can that will help them for moving forward or maybe help them make a move in the offseason. Or maybe they make their move that they were going to do in the offseason at the deadline. Maybe they make some big trade at the deadline. I could see that happening too. Um, I don't think he'd end up in New York because of the reasons you suggested, although I think getting back the first round pick and and getting the protections off of it could be enticing, but not enough for a Bojan, I don't think, especially based on what the Pistons are trying to value him at. Um, I don't think he's as viable as the Pistons are making it out to be. He's extremely – he's one of the best shooters in the entire NBA this past season. He probably had his best scoring season overall this past season. Incredible efficiency. Really good – actually, just incredible offensive play. I won't sell him short. He's an incredible offensive player. But at this point, defensively, he's not very good – and I, I, with him getting older, I don't see him getting better on that end either. So it's like it's tougher to really see how that's uh, – when he eventually does get traded, I'm interested to see how he plays for our winning team because I want to see how they hide him defensively because he is pretty bad defensively now. So that's why I'm looking forward to seeing if they do trade him. But if I had to take a guess, I do think they do poly trade him. If I had to take a guess for a team – um possibly Milwaukee if they're like trying to go all in and like help Giannis win again this year yeah I think Milwaukee
0: maybe could be one yeah Um, Dallas think compared compared to even getting the Pistons own pick back that Bucks 2029 pick unprotected if you think Giannis is leaving like it's kind of an ideal deal because on paper that's like an immediate massive upgrade for Milwaukee really helps their chances keeping Giannis winning a championship if Giannis was gone for some reason then the Pistons would really be in business and would have like in Cade's prime, like this golden asset to move for someone else.
1: Right. And then another one still Dallas, because Dallas has been rumored to be interested in him since they acquired him. So yeah. I guess I'll throw Dallas out there, even though it doesn't seem like they're willing to match what
0: the Pistons want him, him, Luke and Kyrie. That would be 140 points for hundred possessions, 150 <laughs> given up. All right, all right. Real quick, because we're asking everyone, um, what do you think the Knicks Pistons season series is at? I believe two of those games are at MSG. Um, one of them is is in Detroit.
1: Oh, and three. All
0: right, all right. We'll 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 take it. We, we've we've had a lot of, a lot of homers, so I appreciate Dude, the Knicks, I Appreciate the realism.
1: <laughs> I don't <laughs> know.
0: Have you? Do you remember like?
1: Dude, playing the Pistons, is that something that's in your mind that you can remember?
0: All I remember is I think one game Julius Randle had about 60 points in the first dude, quarter. That was- <laughs>
1: every time the Pistons play the Knicks, Julius Randle yeah.
0: destroys them. Like, look I, I, in the his three, eye. Yeah. Last three years, he just shows up and
1: obliterates the. I don't know if the he's, Pistons have been in the Knicks. He's, and-
0: he's like, F beef stew, man. <laughs> yes, out. he hates beef
1: stew, dude. They, he goes right at beef stew every time. I'm the real just- New
0: Yorker here. I don't care if you're from Rochester. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. it's crazy so all on a real note if the Pistons are able yeah. to steal one that would be good but like being completely honest like the Knicks have just had and that's not even saying I think the Pistons are gonna be terrible it's just that the Knicks literally have had their number for years like they they don't even be close games so it's like until they actually beat the Knicks I'm not going to believe that they're going to beat the Knicks and Julius Randle, if wherever, whenever the Pistons play him take the over and his three-pointers made he turns into Steph Curry every time yeah. they, he plays him
0: is some game. It was always the first quarter of last year. He, we would always score 20 in the first quarter, and he's like, all right, I, I did it. That, that's my night. Um, but, Koo, Uh thank you so much, man. Uh, for, for all for everyone on the Locked on Knicks side, can you tell everyone uh, where they can find all your work?
1: Yeah, you can find me, obviously, at Locked on Pistons on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on, or YouTube, obviously, at Locked on Pistons, or you can follow me on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I appreciate you having me on the podcast doing this crossover. It was a lot of fun, man.
0: Yeah, this is look, this is this is the happiest I ended one. They're they a real Nick Nick compliment. we got we get slander from John Corrales in his, his role. <laughs> No, no, he actually he said nice things about the Knicks. I'm just kidding. All right, anyways, that's it for this edition of the Locked On Knicks podcast and Locked On Pistons podcast. Um, check us each out on our respective feeds and we'll talk to you soon. Training camp coming up, plenty of stuff to come. Until then for Koo, I'm Gavin. We'll talk to you soon. Peace out.